this is the Paycheck to Daycheck Reselling Podcast. I'm Liz. And I'm Ashley. Together, we have been making money online collectively for over 10 years. Our mission is to help you start, learn, and grow a reselling business and to inspire you to turn your paycheck into a daycheck. The world is changing and we want to help you change with it. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Paycheck to Daycheck reselling podcast. We have another guest episode for you guys, and this one is going to be awesome. We are so excited to have Amber Waves of Brain on, and I have been following her for a really long time, and I think she is probably the funniest reseller out there. So we are really excited to have Amber on the podcast. So will you get started by starting off by telling us how you got started with reselling and a little bit more about yourself. Yes. So it was about four years ago this time. And one of my friends, she started reselling and she was like, you know, I think you would like this. And so, you know, I started out with Patagonia and it just kind of grew from there to the point where today I'm a temporarily full-time reseller. So you're temporarily full-time right now. What does what does that mean? Yes. So anyone who's been following my Instagram knows that I got laid off from my tech job in February. So I'm currently reselling full-time while I look for a job and have interviews. And reselling has allowed me to kind of bridge the gap where I'm still able to pay all of my bills and, you know, save a little bit of money, not as much as I wanted to, but it's definitely helping me out in yeah. this between stage. I think that's like one of the best parts of reselling, actually. You know, you can you can do it full time, you know what I mean? But I used it um in a similar way when I was in the car business. They for some reason around here, the dealerships really, I don't know if this is like accurate for all over the country because I haven't worked in dealerships all over the country, just in New York. They really like to mess with your pay and they're always changing pay plans and fighting you on getting your commission checks and stuff like that for money that you legitimately earned. And it's really frustrating and disheartening. And um, at one point I was like, I really need to find something to kind of help like make ends meet while I'm like fighting to get this money that I'm owed. And that is like one of the beautiful things I think about reselling is that you have the ability to make as much as you want really, you know, it, it, while you're kind of figuring things out. So I think it's, um, it's a good skill to have and to, I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> I think you mean that. I agree. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just it's really nice to be able to have something like this to you know not really fall back on, but to have in your back pocket. I guess if you if you need it during like you, we just don't know what's going to happen. I guess you know what I mean. You never know what's going to happen out there in the in the job world. So that's good. That's good. All right, what platforms do you currently sell on, and which one would you say is your favorite? Yes. So. Uh, my favorite is Facebook Marketplace. I'm like, I'll dive into that a bit. That's my number one. Then Poshmark. And then I kind of dabble in Mercari and eBay. Um, but Facebook, I know some resellers hate it. Um, I think the benefit for me is that I've been on it for so long, but I have so many reviews so that I'm very rarely getting scammers messaging me asking for my phone number or whatever. So to anyone who's like wanting to add it, like you definitely have to give it some time. And I think it's a platform where 
If you're pushing quantity, that really helps because, you know, you can see like your total views for the past seven days. And I think people really like fixate on that number. But like if you keep listing, like it'll go up, you'll sell more. Um, So I really like that platform. The fees are pretty low, but customer service is not great. Yeah, I've heard that. Let's dive in a little bit more since we're talking about Facebook Marketplace. We haven't really had any guests on that have talked about this platform. And I think there's a lot of interest in it, but there just seems to be a lot of mystery around it as well. So have you been selling on Facebook Marketplace since you've started reselling or did that kind of come along later? Yeah, that was like one of my first platforms. It was Facebook Marketplace and Curtsy, which is like very small. Um, and I, I don't really sell on Curtsy anymore. But Facebook Marketplace, I started out, you know, just local sales and I would meet people at a gas station and, you know, exchange a Patagonia for 40, 50 bucks and like be on with my day. Um, so I think that helped early on is that I was like, getting those reviews. And then when they added shipping a couple of years later, they would do these promotions where initially they had like no fees on the platform for like months. And so you would sell something for, you know, $20 and you would get the full 20 compared to, you know, Poshmark taking $4 off of that. So that was, you know, motivating me to keep listing and they would do promotions where they would have like a free shipping weekend and they would cover the cost of shipping. And so a ton of people would buy. And I was like, I was doing numbers. I was like package stack every day of my Facebook sales. So it's definitely changed. Like now that they've attracted, you know, a like steady group of people who are going to list and sell items there, like consistently ship. I don't really see them doing those anymore. But I do think it is a platform where like you kind of have to keep learning and trying new things because, you know, like the Poshmark algorithm is always changing. Like Facebook is going to do that kind of stuff too. Um, so I definitely like play around with it a lot. There's different things you can do, like creating promotions, which early on that helped for a while. And then I did them a couple of times and they weren't really doing anything. So I kind of stopped doing that. And now I'm at the point where I'm like, oh, should I give that a try again? So you you like got to keep playing with it. And I think some people, they don't really have the time for it or certain cross-listing services don't cross-list to Facebook. So it's like this whole extra hurdle to get items on there for people. For me, I manually cross-list everything there, which is kind of a pain. But I know that for me, like that's where a lot of my sales are coming from. Okay. Yeah, that's really good to know. So talk to us a little bit about how shipping works on there. So do you do mostly shipping now? Are you still doing some local sales? And if you sell something that you have to ship, is it similar to Poshmark or is it more similar to like eBay? It's pretty similar to Poshmark. So items that are shipped, you kind of, you can estimate the weight. It'll be like less than half a pound or half a pound to a pound. And it gives you like ranges for the weight, um, which I really like. I'm like, okay, I know I've sold a bunch of sweatshirts. Here's what I can ship them for. And so then when you sell an item, you, you know, you automatically get that label, just like Poshmark, print it out pretty easy. They do allow you to ship with UPS if that's cheaper. So in that regards, it's kind of like Mercari shipping. Do you, are you doing mostly shipping now or do you do like the local, um, local sales as well? Or I wouldn't say like 99% of my sales are shipped. I list most items as shipping or local pickup. And you can also determine, do you just want something to be local pickup or just shipping? So, you know, if you're selling like a huge bed set, you're not going to ship that. It's going to be local only. 
And for me, if I list things that are like really cheap, like five or ten dollars to get rid of them, I mark them as shipping only. I'm like, I'm not gonna waste my time like communicating with you, finding a time to meet out, and like actually going somewhere. For me, that's not worth it. So I do that's kind of like my caveat with the local sales. And like it has to be high enough that it's worth my time. Um, because some people are like, Oh, will you drive 30 minutes to drop this off for me? And I'm like, No, you can come to me. Like <laughs> Yes, that that makes a lot of sense, actually. <laughs> So you kind of have to be a little bit strategic about how you're listing things or what items you're listing, like taking weight into consideration as yeah. well, like you said. Okay. So I saw you post something the other day about people complaining that they're not getting enough sales on Facebook Marketplace. And I loved your comment. I think I sent you a message about it as well. It was something like you like you actually have to like list on there or some, something along those lines. Do you remember what it was exactly? Um, I was in a real sassy mood when I posted that. I was like, oh, you like you're having trouble making sales? Like, how many items did you list on Facebook today? What about yesterday? What about last week? What about four years ago when I was listing on Facebook Marketplace? You know, it's like any platform where the more time you put in, like the better you're going to understand the platform and the better you're gonna understand what sells on that platform and, you know, how to make it work for you and your business. So, you know, that's part of it. And I've also said before that one thing I do on Facebook Marketplace is because the fees are lower, I list items for less than I would on Poshmark or Mercari where fees are higher so that buyers are also incentivized to buy on there. Um, because I know like when I'm shopping, there was this one specific dress I wanted for graduation a couple of years ago. And like, I checked all the resale platforms. I was like, you know, people cross list, where is it going to be the cheapest for me? And, you know, other buyers are doing that too. They want a good deal. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much for those tips. I think that's going to be really helpful for people that are maybe struggling with it or a little hesitant to start listing on it. I do mostly local <laughs> sales on there, um, like furniture. You know, we have this guy that we buy furniture from sometimes and I flip it on there, but haven't really, and I just listed a Corvette on there as well, but I haven't um, done like shipping yet. So I think maybe I'll, I'll dabble in it. Thanks to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Try it out. Will do. All right. Let's switch gears a little bit here. Um, you have so much knowledge about Patagonia and you seem to find a lot of it where you live. Um, what tips can you give to sellers for selling it online? Are there certain styles that do better? What should they be looking for? And what platforms does it sell best on? Yeah, I've kind of seen the trends change over time of like what Patagonia is selling best. So early when I started the retool style, which was like the really fuzzy like quarter snap, those were doing really well. And now like they sit for me like so long. I will say the one like consistent thing is like the printed patterned cinchilla fleeces um, because, you know, they come out with a new pattern every year and they're only going to make that pattern for that year and then they're going to move on. So there's kind of this sweet spot of like all of the like really, really vintage ones are obviously worth money. They're really hard to find. But then also like from like one to two years ago where not many people are like reselling theirs yet. That's also like, oh, good moneymaker. And I had one. It was like this brown, super cute. I was wearing it. And my friend who got me into reselling, she's like, did you know those are selling for like $200 right now? She's like, you should list it. And I was like, I'm going to. 
And I listed it on Mercari and it sold for like $199 within a couple hours. And I had paid 30 bucks for it. Wow. So my thing, I have a YouTube video on this of finding the style name based on the tag. And the tag like moves around depending on how old the style is. Um, but on the newer ones, it's like on the inside seam and it has a style number. You type that into Google and it'll tell you what it is. And so I think that's key of when you're listing, like put that in the title so that people who are buyers who are like, oh, I really want this specific print or style when they're searching, they're going to be using that. Um, so I think that's probably like tip number one, because you want those really like diehard fans who are willing to spend a lot of money. You want them to be able to find yours and buy yours and pay a lot of money. Yeah, absolutely. What would you say has been your favorite Patagonia item that you found and flipped? Probably that brown one. It's like Sisu, Brown, Canyon, something. I don't have a lot of memories, but... You know, it's like I I got the chance to wear it and then I sold it. There's also like a bright pink like mushroom print one that I wore on a national park trip. And we went to like Bryce Canyon and I like took a bunch of pictures in it. I was like, I'm going to use these in the listing. And now I go on Poshmark and I look up that print and everyone's using my photos, which is (laughs) so crazy. And now I'm like, I should do that with like every print that I get until like my face is like the entire like Patagonia Poshmark. <laughs> and then maybe Patagonia will hire you to be their next model, you know? It would be the dream. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> Free Patagonia for life. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's switch gears again. Um, since you're you're currently interviewing for tech jobs, however, Before that, if you've been following Amber for a while, you know that she has done a very good job of balancing working full-time and being a reseller. So can you talk to us about like maybe some tips on how to balance reselling while working full-time? Yeah, I think for me, there are kind of like a series of circumstances that really lined up. So working remotely was so nice because I could take my hour lunch break. And in that time, I could package sales, ship them, stopping goodwill maybe or like photograph some stuff to list later that night um and i've posted before that like when you compare your package stacks to anyone like mine like i don't have a husband i don't have kids like i live alone so i'm able to be very selfish with my free time and like use that on reselling um which i think you know really worked out for me and you know with being remote i think that was the biggest thing i'm not spending my time commuting, I can use that time to grow my reselling business. And it's part of the reason why when jobs now are like, oh, we want you to come into the office. I'm like, nope, I don't want to do that. I want to apply. <laughs> you know, I'm able to like be picky with jobs because I do have reselling to fall back on and make some money um, so that I can find something that'll be a good flip so that or be a good fit. So in the future that like my, I can continue this balancing act of doing both. And hopefully being successful at both. Yeah, I really love that. I think that's important also. A lot of people, I think, will tell you to jump on the first opportunity, uh, the first offer that you get. But I, you know, if you're able to, I think that holding out for um, the one that feels right is probably the best option because you'll be able to stay there long term and yeah. you know, you're going to love the company. So I fully, fully agree with you on that for sure. 
All right. So space is usually an issue for resellers. So can you tell us how you organize your inventory? I believe you live in an apartment, if I remember correctly from following you. Have you outgrown your space in your apartment? Did you have a storage unit? Talk to us about how you store your stuff. Yeah. So for the first two years of reselling, my reselling business was literally totes in the corner of my apartment bedroom. Like that was what I had room for. And I was following the posh hanger. She's not super active anymore, but she's, you know, her inventory is huge. And she's like, I sort everything by style. And she's like, so that if I sold a sweater and I can't find it, I know that I just need to look through my sweater bins. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. And that's something that can, you know, grow with you. So that's what I do. Everything's sorted by style. Um, and at, at like the two year work, I moved apartments and my bedroom was even smaller and my inventory was growing. And I was like, this is too much in this room. And I started renting a garage at my apartment, which for me was the perfect fit because all of my inventory is still very close by, but it's not in my living space. So now like I have shelves out there. I have like tables with things on them so that everything is, you know, easy to find. And I have this weird garage where like the electric panel for the entire building is in there. So the maintenance guys will just like walk into my garage to like, you know, fix stuff. And I'm like, I'm sure they're like, is this girl a hoarder? Like what's going on? (laughs) They probably have questions for sure, but that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or they're probably like, oh, those shoes look really nice. Like I should, I should ask what she's wanting for those. That's awesome. Well, I think it's helpful, um, you know, when you feel like you're outgrowing your space, sometimes it's very helpful to get the inventory out of your living space. Um, I know personally how that worked. Like I had a tiny, tiny little apartment for years and my stuff was everywhere. Like totes climbing the walls and I couldn't get away from it, you know? Um, But now I can kind of close a couple doors and it's, it's away from my field of vision, I guess, at least, yeah. and I can put it away for the day when I'm done. It's uh, it's helpful to be able to kind of walk away from it at the end of the day when you need a break, I think. All right. So <laughs> we wanted to ask you, you've posted a couple of videos about your dating life that have gone viral. And if you've followed Amber for any length of time, I'm sure you've probably seen them. Uh, you've also been on the Jennifer Hudson show, which is insane. What was that experience like? Yeah, the Jennifer Hudson show. So I had this TikTok going viral of dating wrapped of all the dates I had been on. And on my Instagram, I got this DM from a producer of the show. She was like, oh my gosh, I saw your video. I thought this is so funny. We have to have you on the show. And she was like, our process is that we'll have like a Zoom interview you and me, and then I will pitch you to the rest of the team And, you know, then we'll make the final decision and let you know if we're going to fly you out to Burbank, California. And I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) So, like, the Zoom went really well. And I, she had an iPhone, so I could see that she was typing, like, a couple days later. And so I started recording myself. I was like, okay, like, any minute now. And I can see, like, the text show up. And she was like, we want to have you on the show. And I, like, freak out. And so I actually flew out with, they let me bring a friend. So I brought my friend Taylor. We, our plane landed. I turned my phone off of airplane mode. I get an email that the show is canceled. And I was like, no. And they were like, we're so sorry. Like, circumstances out of our control. They were like, 
you can still have the hotel room and we'll like fly back when it originally is. So we like spent a day in Los Angeles and then flew home. And they were like, you know, we'd love to bring you back. And so he's like, okay, I'm going to bring my mom this time. And my friend Taylor was disappointed, but that's another story. <laughs> so I brought my mom and it was like so crazy. I had a dressing room with my name on the door and they were like, we have all these snacks for you. Like you can see the show here. I went to hair and makeup and they did my makeup. I was like, good, because I don't know what I'm doing, especially for TV. And it like everyone was so nice. And I I remember like they played my video and I like walked out on stage and I was like, this is crazy. And I hugged Jennifer Hudson. And I was like, this is a dream. And the segment felt like really long for like my just I'm a girl from Iowa who like posted a TikTok. Um, but then we had like a commercial break and like one of the producers came over and he like gave me a fist bump. He's like, you're so funny. And I'm like, I love to hear that. Thank you. The producer had given me like a list of questions they were going to ask. And then, you know, like we went through all of those and I was like still sitting on the couch and she's like in the video, like you calculated how much money you spent. And she's like, we want to pay you back all that money. And I was like, no way. And so Jennifer Hudson gave me like almost $400 cash while I was there. I was like, this is crazy. Holy God. And then I like went home and went back to my normal life, except now I had to tell my coworkers that I like post TikToks for fun. And like, they all knew about my dating life, which they didn't before, which is really funny. Like I post about dating all the time, like by Instagram. And I like never would talk to my coworkers about it. <laughs> so I was like, everyone knows me really well now. Um, but yeah, it was just like the craziest experience ever. And now that it happened, I feel like I see now of those people who like went viral on TikTok and like ended up on TV. And I'm like, oh, like this is something that happens regularly. Um, because I think also sometimes like watching the news, like everything is like so sad. And then like you see these feel good stories. You're like, okay, okay, they need something fun. They need like a smiley blonde girl to like wrap it up and like make it happy at the end. So yeah, it's a palate cleanser, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That is a wild experience, but it does go into what I wanted to talk to you about next. You post a lot of content about reselling and for resellers and helping resellers out. Uh, little tips and tricks all the time. You post a lot about your dating life um, experiences that you have. Um, personal things that you have going on. Do you think that having a social media presence has helped your reselling business? And um, I'll ask you another question about that after you answer that one. I think yes. And initially, I was like hesitant to start the Instagram page because that's where I started. I was like, oh, I see all these resellers and like the space, there's too many people, there's going to be no room for me. And here I am like, a few years later and it's like oh i have like eleven thousand followers like this is fine like there's always so much room and i think also like some of the really big resellers that i followed at the beginning like they don't post anymore like they got married or had a baby and they're just like not reselling anymore so like there's always room for new people and i think i originally was like i think this would be very helpful if i ever want to run a sale on poshmark um, to just like have people to market to. And when I got laid off and I had a sale, it was my first thousand dollar sales day, which felt like such a big deal. And I was like, this is crazy. And I couldn't have done it without that social media presence. 
And like, it's given me so much more than just like some money in my bank account. Um, Like I really like connected with other people and learned a lot. That's awesome. So like I said, you do post a great mix of reselling related content mixed with like your personal stuff and dating and funny stories. How have you found a good balance for your audience? I think sometimes people can be hesitant to post anything not reselling related, but I think it also humanizes you and then differentiates you from every other reseller out there. Um, so, you know, people think of me and they're like, oh, like she goes on all these dates and she's funny and, you know, she sells a lot of Patagonia and like knows a lot about Facebook Marketplace, but all these other things. And I think that's been super helpful. I already forget what the question was. <laughs> <laughs> no, you answered it. Um, I think that you're right that when you post a little bit about your personal life or other things that you have going on, people want to know other people um, that they're following and details about their lives. And I mean, just think about like how the people that we follow all the time and the stories that we're always looking at every single day. It's the people that give us a little bit more information than others. You know, I, at least that's, maybe that's weird, but that's the people that I follow. You know, um, I want to know, I want to feel like I know the people that I'm following and interacting with um, more so than just like the people that only post memes or only post, you know, work-related things or motivational things. I want like a little bit of a variety. And I know that that goes against some advice that um, like, people that teach content creation and social media management and stuff like that. I know that goes against the advice that a lot of them give, but I really think that um, followers want to see authenticity. And I think that if you give them a little bit of a mix of personal life and business and all this other stuff that you have going on, I think that really helps to build that um, relationship with your followers. Yeah. Okay. So how would you say that reselling has changed for you in the last year or so? Yeah. So thinking back to a year ago, I was actually in like the same position I am now where I had just been laid off. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been laid off twice, but I think reselling has changed. I think I'm willing to try different things. A year ago, I was mostly just on Facebook and Poshmark. And so now I cross this war on Mercari and Finally, after much encouragement from everyone on the internet, I have started posting more on eBay because I really just did not like it as a platform for the longest time. And it's been okay. My 90-day total is like $170, but that's $170 I didn't have before. So I think for me, the biggest thing is that I am willing to keep trying new things. And I think that's really helped because, you know, when Poshmark changes their algorithm and you're like, oh, my sales are rough now. Um, that, you know, I have something else to balance that out and make up for it. Yeah, I love that. And I think that's really important to like not putting all your eggs in one basket. Um, I started out with Poshmark, Liz started out with Amazon. But you know, like you said, if the algorithms change, like right now, Poshmark is testing out new features and the search is just a little bit wonky um, and things just aren't running smoothly there. But to have, you know, listings on eBay or Facebook Marketplace or both of those places, you know, your sales are not going to dwindle down to nothing. You're still going to have some sales rolling in, hopefully, you know. All right. And what do you think your reselling business will look like in the next year? Year. I don't know. Okay, I've not done any live selling yet. I think that's probably my next thing of like, suck it up and do it. (laughs) For me, it's like counterintuitive. I really enjoy reselling because it's something I can do on my own time. I don't have to like, you know, interact with anyone really. Um, But like live selling, it's like, 
almost a performance. Like you've got to be on time and like, so I think that's maybe where I would go next steps. I had dabbled in Amazon before then. I was like, this is not for me. Um, so who knows a year from now, I think, I don't know, maybe I should buy a palette of stuff. That seems like a fun challenge that I like haven't really done yet. That's kind of like trying new things is where I'll be in a year. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, I feel the same way about live selling. It feels counterintuitive to me, too, because of, you know, owning my time and not being stuck in front of, you know, a camera for however many hours a day um, and selling one item at a time to a small group of people, it seems like, you know, that to me seems counterintuitive. But on the flip side of that, it does seem like there are some people that are having a ton of success with it. Um, But I have not spent personally, I have not spent a ton of time like researching like tips about it. And you would love to have someone on that is doing really well with live sales and has some experience in that to kind of get some more information. So if you do dabble in it, let us know and we'll have you back on. Perfect. All right. What is a tool that you use for reselling that you cannot live without, whether that's, you know, a physical product, a digital product, um, anything else really? I would say one shop. And it's because it does so much. Originally, I got it for sharing my Poshmark listings. I had a virtual assistant and I was like, this is not like I can pay a robot to do bits or cheaper. And so one shop will share all of your listings on Poshmark continuously, like every three seconds of the day, like a new item is shared. Nothing on my Poshmark account has been flagged. I know people are a little worried about that, but it will also send out offers. It'll relist old items. It will cross list to Depop, Mercari, and eBay. Um, So like it's so worth it. And I think initially, you know, people might be hesitant because they're like, oh, you know, $40 a month or like that kind of seems like a lot. But it helps you make more sales, which is the point of it. And it, you know, helps, you know, get some processes in place. It's very easy to process to multiple platforms at once. Um, So it saves you time, makes you more sales. It will also mark things as sold on one platform if they sell on another, which is very nice. That is that is my favorite thing. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I've heard a little bit about one shop from various sellers. I think you were also one of the people that I heard about it from. Um, It sounds like something that I need to check out because it sounds like it does so many things within one, you know, app or is it, does it have an application? Is it a Chrome extension? Yeah. So I got an app on my phone and it just runs all the time. You don't need to leave your computer open or anything, which is, and you know, I've looked at other programs and other ones, it's like, oh, this will only give you 300 listings a month or whatever. And I'm like, well, what if I need more than that? This is like unlimited, like turn it on, forget it. And it'll do the work for you. And I had like someone had DM'd me on Instagram and he's like, oh, I'm trying to make more sales. And I told him about this. A couple months later, I was in Goodwill checking out and the guy behind me goes, oh my gosh, I messaged you. And he told me about one shop and he's like, it's been so nice. I was like, that's so crazy, but I'm glad it's working for you. Yeah, that is really cool. I'm gonna have to check that out. Do you have um like a, a code or anything that you can throw out yeah, there for people? Okay. There's a referral link in my Instagram bio. I think it gives you a week free initially. Okay. Yeah. And then you might get like a discount on your first month. Awesome. Yeah, we'll get that from you after the show and we'll put it in the show notes for this episode too. Um, if anyone wants to try it out and give it a shot, because it sounds like something that 
a lot of us need. And if you've listened to any of our previous Poshmark episodes where I go on my rants about, you know, how I hate the the act of sharing listing by listing individually over and over and over again. Um, I think that this is something that can free up a lot of time. So that's that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. We love watching your traveling adventures as well as all your other adventures on Instagram. Where has been your favorite place within the United States to source? So I've gone to Minnesota probably four or five times now to source. And initially it started out, I just like saw all of these full-time resellers in Minnesota. I was like, it's got to be good. And so I booked myself a hotel room and I woke up super early. I drove there, thrifted for like eight or nine hours. Like I was just going Goodwill to Goodwill. Like they have three different Goodwill outlets in the area. I needed like I slept for eight hours and then I woke up and I did it again and drove home. If you're if you're ever in the Minneapolis area, the Chaska Goodwill outlet is my personal favorite. You walk in and you're like, oh, it's kind of small. Like this doesn't seem like anything special, but they're rotating the bins so frequently. That like by the time you get through with one row, it's like, okay, they're bringing out another one. And someone else who went there, they described the vibe as Depop kid and suburban mom. And I was like, you know, that's accurate. Like that's that's some vibe when you go in. Nice. Yeah, I found a Jenny Kane sweater there in like a picked over bin. And I was like, oh my gosh. So that's been my favorite place. Perfect. How about outside of the United States? Have you been sourcing in any other countries? Yes. So I went to Guatemala the last summer and I met this other girl there and I told her like, oh yeah, I resell. And she's like, oh, there's a thrift market here in town. She's like, I can take you. And we went and I have a YouTube video of this. It's it's packed. It's kind of like flea markets where everyone has their own stall and there's like a table just piled with stuff and then like double racks of stuff. And you're like flipping through stuff and you're like touching the table behind you. Like that's how close it is. And nothing's priced. So I had to use my like high school Spanish. I would like pick up everything I want. It would be like Tory Birch, Lululemon, Patagonia. I'd have my little pilot go to them and I'd be like, Quanto Cuesta? And they would be like, oh, this is my grandma's finish. And they would like add it up and give me a number. And everyone's like, oh, did you bargain? And I was like, no, because the prices were so cheap that I was like, yeah, I'll pay you that much money. And, you know, I bought a suitcase and like brought everything back. And I would love to go back there again. Like it was, I was like in my zone. Wow, that sounds amazing. I've never been to Guatemala before, but... It sounds like a place that I would like to like to check out for sure. All right. What advice would you give to a newer reseller that wants to start um, listing clothing items on maybe Poshmark or Facebook Marketplace? Yeah, I would say if you're brand new, I would start with just a couple things. Maybe stuff that you own that you don't wear anymore. Even if you're not selling it for a time, like get some reviews, understand the process of how shipping works. You did all need to invest a ton of money in the beginning. I was, you know, reusing like Amazon packaging and I would like go to the library and print off my shipping labels for free and like tape them on the package. So, you know, you can start with like very little and then grow from there. So that's kind of my thing. I would also suggest checking comps on items when you're like, should I pick this up to resell? Because I remember probably like my first bins trip, I was picking up like Charlotte Rose, like it was not good stuff. And I still have some of it. 
so you know like you've got to learn somehow so don't don't feel like you have to spend a lot of money to learn at the beginning yeah i love that i think it's so easy to get caught up in what other people are doing and watching the bigger sellers that you know we all admire um and seeing their label printers and then buying pallets of things and all this stuff and that's not necessary to just get started um it's really nice and it's really fun to have those people to like look up to and to watch and be motivated by but knowing that you can kind of raid your own closet or, you know, maybe your sibling's closet for some stuff that they don't wear just to get yourself started, build a little bit of a snowball and then kind of go from there. I think that's really important to keep in mind. All right. So what about if there's a reseller who's maybe a year or two in, they're starting to experience like burnout or frustration, what advice would you give to them? Yeah. So I'll say I was in that exact same position in January of this year, you know, like you're listing so much in Q4. And even in January, I took a week off to go on a trip. And I came back and I was still like, I just, I'm not motivated to list. And then I got laid off. And I was like, I am very motivated now. So I think the key is you need to understand the why behind what you're doing. And so, you know, early on for me in reselling, I was using this money to pay for grad school. And so I was like, I know I need X amount due on this date. Um, And, you know, that was very motivating for me. And then it became more of a, oh, I just want to save more money so I can retire early someday. But that's kind of so far away. And, you know, there's no exact amount that, you know, after an amount of time, like that wasn't enough anymore. And so now that it's back to, okay, my rent is due on the third, that, you know, it gives me a a specific amount. So I think, you know, you need to have that very clear goal with a a dollar amount attached to it, I think is very important. And so that this like fluffy up, I just want to make more money. Um, And I think that can really help dial you in. And it doesn't need to be anything big. You can say, oh, I'm going on a trip and I want $500 to cover my flight or whatever it might be. And, you know, as long as you have something driving you, I think that really helps people stay motivated and disciplined with listing. Yeah, I really believe in that as well. Like specific goals that are also attainable. Mm -hmm. um, But I think the more specific you can get about why you're doing what you're doing, um, the easier it is to kind of think about that in the moment when you're like, oh my God, I really do not want to list anything today. Or I would really rather stay home and cuddle with my dog or whatever instead of going sourcing or whatever it might be. Um, having those specific goals in mind are going to keep you keep you going in those, those times when you don't want to. Walk us through a day in the life of what your schedule looks like these days right now. These days. Okay. Every day is a little bit different, but I will say I normally wake up. I have a nice leisurely morning. Sometimes I go work out. Very nice. I do the things that I couldn't do while I had a full-time job. Um, and then, you know, I package up my sales. I ship them. I might go sourcing for a bit, depending on the day. I might have some interviews. Um, but then my afternoon time is hopefully where I'm photographing, listing items, you know, making TikToks, posting on Instagram, that kind of thing. And then, you know, I try to have my evenings of not work stuff where I'm like, okay, then I read or I go to networking events or hang out with friends. Um, so, you know, it's nice that every day is a little bit different, but I do have a, a loose routine of what I'm doing. Yeah, I like that. That's that's 
fun and it keeps it exciting since every day is a little bit different, you know, but I think it's also important to remember that you need to take some time for yourself and do things that you enjoy as well as working on what you're working on. Mm -hmm. All right. Is there anything that we didn't ask you about that you wanted to chat with listeners about or something important that you think needs to be mentioned to the reselling community? Um, nothing specific. If anyone works for a company that is hiring a scrum master or product owner, let me know. Um, if you have really great benefits, let me know. I would love to put someone down as a referral. That's actually how I got my last job. I posted that I was laid off and someone was like, oh, my husband loves his job. He can refer you. And that's the job I got. Um, and I did get laid off from that job, but like, you know, the reselling community helped me get there. So if anyone's got something, let me know. Perfect. Love it. All right. We asked this question to all of our guests as the last question. If you could give your fellow resellers one piece of advice on how to turn your paycheck into a day check, what would it be? I would say always keep experimenting with what you're doing um, so that you can learn and grow. And I really like running these little experiments where I'm like, oh, I've never sold this brand before. Let's see how it does. And, you know, sometimes that comes from other resellers saying, oh, this is really great. And other times I pick it up and I'm like, oh, I haven't heard anyone say anything about this. Um, but, you know, that can also be a new platform or a new sharing service. Um, but something to keep you growing, because once you kind of stay the same, everything else is going to change. And maybe people don't want what you're selling anymore. Like you need to learn and try new trends. Um, so that's what I would advise other resellers to do. I love it. That was amazing. Amber, thank you so much for spending part of your morning with us. We so appreciate it. You were a joy to talk to. Really, really appreciate you coming on the podcast today. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. All right, guys, that's a wrap on today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Paycheck to Daycheck Reselling Podcast. Anything we mentioned in this episode will be linked down below in the show notes or description down below. Be sure to share this episode with anyone you think it will help and follow us on social media at P2D Podcast. Thanks again for listening. Keep working towards that day check.